I hadn't planned on it, no. Plan on it. Plan on it. Minus five, four, three, two, one. Booster ignition and liftoff of Discovery. You're gonna die. I'm Raymond Arroyo. We'll see you next time. show thanks everyone for being here kyle's in the closet britney's here and we are here with austin how's it going how do you pronounce your last name because i'm in yeah weibel weibel okay i'm always insecure about last names austin uh agreed to come on and have a silly old time with us but i've been wanting to talk to you for a long time because i don't know if you know this but i admire you greatly you're kind of my hero a little bit oh wow prepare to be disappointed well ask me in what way Two ways. Oh, well, more than one way. Two ways yeah. now. Now I've just to know I've realized ways. two more ways just by looking at you. Oh, two more ways. Okay. Yeah. What, what are the, the three The first ways? one is your beard. Okay. Thank you. So you can grow an actual – you're one of – what percentage of men can grow like a regular beard? We should look that up, Jamie. And then uh, – what was I going to say? What was that? Oh, a second thing. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Hit me. Um, the other thing is that you seem like the type of person that I kind of want to be, which is you're doing a lot of different things. There's not just like one business – yeah. There's yeah. a lot of different projects and stuff. Yeah. And have you always been that way? No. Okay. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. I guess. Where, what's your origin story? What's your – I ask people like what's your like comic book, six panel, like background, superhero background, you know? Okay. So like imagine like Slender Man but awkward <laughs> and like growing up in small – Wait, not- Slender Man like the horror yeah. thing that hides in the forest? Yeah. So like – That's pretty awkward. Uh, That's actually horrifying. Yeah, but it wasn't scary. Can you pull up Slender Man? <laughs> Slender Man's not awkward. He's going to people murdering them. He's evil. Yeah. I no, I didn't awkward. do that. This was your horror – this is your origin <laughs> this is my childhood. Yeah. You killed people? Well, I can't talk about okay. this show. So, you know, super skinny, lanky kid growing up okay, in southeast Texas. Okay, you looked like Texas. him. You yeah. didn't act like him. No. Okay, okay. No, just looked like him. Okay. Poor guy. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, grew up uh, nor- nice, Austin. normal Catholic family, though. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> Just like that. Homeschool, public school, private school? Public school. And then how many siblings? Two little brothers. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And then your parents, Catholic, you said? My mom, Catholic. Dad raised uh, Southern Baptist, converted to Catholicism, um, I don't know, probably close to 20 years ago now. So. Nice. And then where'd Very you go to college Catholic again? Upbringing. Uh, Texas A&M. Okay. College Station. And what'd you study? I studied marketing, okay, which was basically like my background for I don't know what the hell I'm doing, so I might as well pick something that's very broad. Is that so? That's why you picked that? Yeah, okay. yeah. I was okay. definitely I went for engineering. That last what kind of engineering? It's like what? It's like I want to be like my dad. My dad's an electrical engineer. Okay, and so I was like, okay. I'll Did you know that. I went to Georgia Tech for no, a little bit? So I for I wanted to be a biomedical engineer. Oh my gosh! Because it's you. the most complicated and <laughs> yeah, like, of all the you engineers. Choose anything. Yeah, harder. yeah, yeah. And um, and then and then I transferred out. My sophomore year to Franciscan okay. University. Gotcha. So I understand engine at least kind of understand what it takes to be an engineer. Right. Which is like Asperger's. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but a lot of people at Georgia Tech, a lot of people at Georgia Tech have Asperger's. <laughs> Your dad probably doesn't. No, <laughs> no. no. You, seem, you seem pretty, you know. Yeah. Nothing against people with Asperger's. Brittany, Brittany has it and we love her. Um, That's good. That's good. But uh, you caught it last year. yeah, you can catch it. You can catch it. Really? How do you catch it? Physical contact? Does yeah. it travel in the air? Like At Georgia Tech, man, I swear it's stuck to surfaces. Because <laughs> you could, you could get it from, you could get it from anything. Anyways, back to you, Austin. Yeah, yeah. No, um, 
Uh, okay, so your dad's an engineer. You went yep. to be an engineer, yep. but you didn't pick that major. No, that lasted like all of ninety days, okay. and I was like, I failed physics. I was like, great, yeah, <laughs> that's like all of engineering. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I decided, like, okay, I'm gonna go to the business school because that's where people who don't know what they want to do with their yeah. lives go. It's like, oh, but, I'm gonna be in business. But were you a bus- like anyone in your family, or were you a bu- business type no, person I, as a kid? I, I mean, I very I grew up in like what you would consider like like the ultra conservative town. So in uh, Southeast Texas, mostly refineries. Okay. So oil and chemical production, okay. which is what a lot of my family does. And on the other side is like healthcare. So my mom was a nurse. Um, so those, I grew up in the situation of like, get this great job after your great education that will set you up with great benefits. Yeah. Um, and you retire five years later, yeah. you'll be ready to retire. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think I have anyone in my family that comes to mind as like the prototypical entrepreneur. And if there are some people, which there might be have a big family, they weren't necessarily influences on me yeah. at that time. Can you think of anything in your childhood that you could point? Cause I've always heard and been self-conscious of yeah. that. That like, you know, these stories like Gary Vaynerchuk, like, mm-hmm. oh, from a young age, he was, you know, stealing flowers and then selling it to the selling it to the owner of the house or whatever, you know, yeah. like just, just always from a young age entrepreneur. And I'm like, I don't know that I had that, you know, I can't think of anything that was like that for me. I mean, I, I played uh, Little League Baseball, like Pee Wee and stuff like that. So yeah. they, you'd sell chocolate bars, right? Yeah, yeah. I hated that. <laughs> I have to get my mom to sell the chocolate bars. Dude, I thought that was but the like, biggest I waste of my time. I was it. like. I was like, Dad, can you just give money? Like, can someone give money? Like, you guys are ad- adults. You're supposed to know how this works. Like, right. what do you mean we don't have enough money for the wrestling team? Like, <laughs> what is going on here? This is child labor. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I play, I play sports. I played, I played, re- or played wrestling. I wrestled for <laughs> for a couple months. For a couple months. Yeah. I mean, look at this body. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a wrestler. I feel like a wrestler. Yeah, um, so I, I couldn't think of anything that was like, oh, yeah, I was definitely out there hustling yeah. on the playground. No, far so, from it. So what did you write off out of college? Out of college. So I, I went to uh, my marketing degree, did that, uh, and then graduated. And I thought it was like, well, okay, well, marketing, there's like really two tracks. It's sales and advertising. Mm-hmm. And sales is like this big open world of like no hell. Yeah. Like I'm not interested. Yeah. And then marketing was like, okay, I know I, know I can get a job in an advertising agency. So yeah. I applied around to like. I don't know, 25 agencies in Austin and Dallas. And I got like one interview in Dallas. So I came up here. Yeah. I uh, worked for a company for about a year. Mm-hmm. Doing and, what? And so I was uh, ad exec. So basically I had clients from like interstate batteries to like promised land dairy farms. Interesting. So it was kind of like, and uh park place dealerships and, and different kind of things. And I, I just lowly little ad exec, you know, working amongst a team, yeah. of probably seven on these big accounts. So it's like an agency. And you were in charge of doing what? What does an ad exec do? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, at, I mean, at is it like a glorified level, intern? It's yeah. like, do whatever. At my level, it's like, double check this copy, uh, go make these copies, yeah. <laughs> fix the copier. Like, <laughs> anything to do with copies, <laughs> I was on it. So, I, it was, I mean, they gave me a lot of uh, opportunities to be involved in those types of meetings and, like, yeah. get to meet some of the people who were higher up in yeah. those worlds. It was really cool, but it was very much like a, I, I found if I was going to be selling anything, I was like, man, maybe I should care about it because I had everything yeah. under the sun and none of it was really that important to me. Yeah. So wh- what made that shift or what happened with that shift after a year? Yeah. So at, at that year point, I was like, okay, well, I want to try something different. And my background growing up in Southeast Texas and Nederland was I had good church community. Mm. Like I had a great Catholic church and I had good Catholic friends. And my youth minister at the time 
was a big inspiration for me through those you know four years. Shout out to uh, Melissa Cisak, sister okay. Melissa Cisak. Oh, she's a sister she's now. A sister now. Yeah, mm, good yeah. for her. And she uh, she was just a, a huge influence in my life, and I thought like. I want to be that for other people. So yeah. I was like, let's pursue youth ministry some way, somehow. I did not know this about you. Yeah. This wow. It's okay. like a very short time. I mean, a year, but yeah. it, it just happened quickly. So yeah. this was right. This was, I guess, a, a full year out of college now. I've done my job with the ad agency. And I told them, I was like, hey, I'm going to pursue something else. And they're like, okay. Did you tell them youth ministry? Well, actually, yes. Well, so, how did they take that? So my my boss at the time, Michael Boone, super good guy, uh, super Catholic guy. Yeah. And I remember going into his office, kind of telling him, like, hey, I'm I'm interested in this. I actually found this opportunity that I'd like to pursue, and I, I just want you to know about it because I respect you, and I thank you for all your time and support for me. And he was like, <laughs> I think he asked me, he was like, are you sure you're not feeling, like, called to something else? Yeah. Like, alluding to yeah, the yeah. priesthood. Yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> and I, was like, I think he added in his head, I was like, this guy's going to be a priest. <laughs> Dude, everyone, when I told, I was the same way. When I told people I was transferring yep. to Franciscan to pursue youth ministry, same thing. Everyone was like, oh, so like you're going to, and especially non Catholics, because I was mm-hmm. dating a non Catholic and her whole family was just like, oh, so you want to be a priest? Yeah. Like, are you breaking up with, and I was like, no, 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 <laughs> like, that's not, that's not how he's like, oh, you, or they would say, like, you want to be a pastor? I'm like, well, kind of like a youth pastor, kind of, you know, and right. it's it's really interesting. That's been very interesting, but it now, is. But now it's so much more common working for the church. Mm-hmm. It seems like I well, don't know. At least you you've definitely changed your circle, at yeah. least in some ways. Yeah, like you have sure. more people who find that more common than before. That's true. That's because interesting. I, I was way like, you know, talking to a lot of people at that time, where it's like they were looking at it as the most radical thing you can do. And yeah. I'm like, if you really think like a one year church camp is the most radical thing I can do, yeah. <laughs> I need to surround myself with some, yeah, you haven't seen some more in... radical types. Yeah. You haven't seen me in Vegas. Right. <laughs> exactly. Maybe some more radical things. <laughs> there you go. So, okay. So how long did that last? That lasted a year. So that was a one year contract. So I worked with the Pines Catholic camp. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. John Egan. Yep. Nice. Egan. Dude, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Super good guy. We, we became very close so to that, that too. So you went and did that for a year. So I basically did their three month like summer, uh, counselor program like yeah. you know like with all the sophomores in college yeah, which yeah, was yeah. you know funny in some ways and then i did a like right after that was their 9 month missionary program okay so that was me and like seven other you know young adults like around the same age um who were just trying to find like hey we've graduated from college what the heck do we do next and we're all thinking about youth ministry in some yeah. capacity yeah so then we worked with them and did like retreat based ministry yeah. for high schools and churches and things what like was that. that like going from conservative town really good community mm-hmm. catholic community and then suddenly being surrounded with like hundreds of yeah screaming kids yeah it's like going from the best catholic in the room to the worst catholic <laughs> in the room that's kind of what it felt like yeah you know you <laughs> you were a good catholic if you went to church every Sunday and you went to like CCD is what we called it, but, oh, like okay. the continuing Catholic development every other Wednesday. <laughs> Interesting. So like, so like you're pretty good at peewee baseball and then yeah. suddenly you're playing college baseball yeah, that's and what you're it felt like, like, Oh wait, maybe I'm not super good. It's like, at baseball. Oh, you guys can, you guys know all the rosary prayers. <laughs> like you don't have to take out your phone. Those families. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I know it too. Yeah. <laughs> Let me lead this next decade. That's I feel like there's a lot of people though that, that like, um, that happens to a lot of people. I think a lot of people that join net or focus or some of yeah. these things feel this call. And then it's like that whole thing that God doesn't call or God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah. And absolutely. like something about the call and then the formation for it. 
Mm-hmm. Was that your experience? I, I agree. I, I think it was in my second week at camp. So this was during the summer, which it was like, oh, wow. Like being awake for uh, 16 hours a day in the hot sun with 12-year-olds is the worst. Yeah. What's it called? Big Sandy or something? <laughs> yeah, Big yeah. Sandy. Yeah. It's, it, it is truly a sand pit with yeah. like a bunch of pine trees. Yeah. And so I think it was the second week in adoration. I, I actually felt like very validated and like just being able to be in front of the Eucharist. And I was just like weeping. That was never like an experience I'd had before. And yeah. he just, I just felt like he was saying like, you're supposed to be here. Dang. That's I was awesome. Like, cool. Yeah. Cool. And then what? Then you left. Yeah. And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt him clearly. He was like, you're supposed to be here now. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and at the end of that contract, like at least for me, you know, at this time I, I'd been dating Kimmy through this my now wife i've been dating kimmy through this whole time mm-hmm. like we started dating one month before i left so it's like a long distance thing that whole time yeah. i was like i knew that i wanted to be back and and be able to be with her and take the next step and then i at the end of it at that time i also knew i did not want to be in youth ministry yeah and i was like okay well at least i figured that out yeah you just totally that. fine it's so crazy how god uses these like little moments where you feel like man what was that that right. was a waste of time if i would have just known earlier but then it's something about God using those little things and it might just be for one moment of connection 20 years later with mm-hmm. someone else that then starts something for them, you know, like, yeah, like, um, yeah, that's just crazy how I used to get really anxious about making those types of decisions. Cause I'm like, no, it has to be the right decision. And then you just find that those little thing, like those little moments, it, like God uses them. Yeah. I mean, at the very least it was a great opportunity to, to understand like what it was like to kind of engage yourself yeah. in full prayer and yeah. be surrounded by that. Yeah. And there's some aspects of that lifestyle and like complete service. Like it was kind of one of those things where you probably experience this too. It's like, you just have those days where your head hits the pillow and you know, you gave it everything. Yeah. And that was like, okay, I'll do it six days a week. And then yeah, that's a good feeling. The whole seventh day. Yeah. So that was nice. So then what, what's the next step for you? Yeah. Next step was kind of like, we're at the, three quarter mark of that journey with the pines. And, um, I remember like, you know, Kimmy and I would see each other probably once a month during this time. She would come up or I would go down to Dallas and see her. And, uh, she was filling me in. It's like, yeah, I just got done. Like, or I, over the weekend, I went to this baptismal party. You know, we're talking about baptismal parties. <laughs> like that's a Catholic thing. Yeah. <laughs> Through a party after a baptism. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, my now business partner, Davis Scott, one of his kids. I don't know which one. There's five of them now. So yeah, too many. One of those. I mean, in a good way, but yeah, yeah, a exactly. lot. <laughs> Flourishing. Yeah. And she had been speaking with him, just kind of like catching up and stuff. And he had asked her, "It's like, oh, what's Austin up to these days?" And she was like, "Oh, he's at the Pines. He doesn't know what the heck he's doing next. He's nervous. He's freaking out about it every day." And yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I'm starting this real estate company. Like, maybe you should do that. And Kimmy's like, "I'll tell him." And she's like, "Anything to get him here." It's like, I don't care if he's a janitor. Um, and, and you so, haven't met Davis at this point. It, so I have to basically take it back like five years. Yeah. The time I met Davis, he was one of the first people I met in college and I'm, he's two years older than me. So we're, we both just happen to be on the same Aggie awakening retreat. Gotcha. And we're at the same table. Yeah. And, uh, at the time he's like a hardcore Protestant. And yeah. so we just say hello basically. And wow. <laughs> he tells the story. Like he basically wanted to just like come into that. Uh, he went to Aggie Awakening as a way to prove his wife wrong. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a bad way to do it, but okay. Yeah. And so he comes into it, like basically just trying to pinpoint a few different people and be like, what do you know about Mary? What do you believe about the sacraments? What's the deal with the Eucharist? Yeah. And I, just, I, you know, I was like, I don't know. And he's like, 
<laughs> I'm just here to meet cute girls, yeah, man. Exactly. Chill that. out, dude. <laughs> Get your Bible out of my face, yeah, man. Exactly. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um. So that's how we met. Wait, but did did the retreat make him Catholic? That retreat helped. It helped. <laughs> <laughs> I think his it wife. Helped. I think it his was, wife ultimately yeah, became yeah. Catholic. Yeah, but, yeah. that's awesome. You know, that's awesome. So he's starting a real estate company, and you just jump yeah. right into that. So he he basically comes to me with this idea. Comes to me through Kimmy with this idea of like, hey, I'm doing this real estate thing with another guy from St. Anne. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be good at it. Yeah. And so we spend probably the next three months, I, I'd call him like, I don't know, almost every night. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd get off of work and I'd have like two hours and be like, hey, tell me everything you know about real estate. Answer all these questions. Yeah. And I'm really afraid because I've never done this before. Like, yeah. I've never done anything in sales. Yeah. And he was super gracious and he did that. And then I spent, um, about 60 days taking my classes online yeah. while I was at the Pines. Yeah. And then just moved back to Dallas. And I was like, what do you got for me? And when you start, did you start as a real estate agent or did you just go into the partnership? I technically had my license and there, there was no partnership at this point other than Davis and the other founder of Nailing Key, which is Brant. Yeah. Uh, Brant Barham. And so Davis and Brant had this thing set up and they had like one or two other employees who were basically like admin roles. Yeah. And then they hired me as what we would, I guess, call an an outside sales agent, nice. which was basically like, Hey, here's a list of phone numbers, call everyone you can and yeah. try and get them to meet with me. Yeah. yeah. And then I know flash forward, mm -hmm. uh, you're now partner in the company. Yeah. And so how has that been, especially with COVID? Like how's, and then you do so many other things too. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing this tiny house company yeah. that you're starting up, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And is that a nonprofit or for-profit? For-profit. Okay. And then you have prodigal projects, mm -hmm. which is a nonprofit right. that basically, you know, lays out full restaurant dining experience for the homeless. Right. Yeah. Just super cool. Yeah. Like a fun. menu, like, and then people yeah. come. Uh, Tablecloths. Yeah. And people <laughs> come and like host them and sit with them and have yep. conversations. And exactly. That's really cool. So, um, yeah, man, what, what is all of that? I mean, especially with COVID right now, but what is that experience like? I mean, like, mm. what's it like running so many different things? Do you, do you, do you think and see yourself, doing more like other things in I the, do. Yeah. 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 I do see us doing more. Um, man, it, it definitely, I guess I, I don't know what that looks like though. It'll yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the thing. Like we started, you know, came onto nail and key and, and basically formed our new version of nail and key when Brant left and Davis and I took the helm and we had all these ideas and aspirations and you know, it, it's changed so dramatically. Yeah. You know, we had this, I remember we have like a TV like this in, in our old office and it would just cycle through pictures. Um, and so we had a bunch of these slides made that were just like inspirational and fun quotes. Yeah. And there was one that was a, it was a 2020 organizational chart. We made this in 2018 and it was a 2020 one and it cycled through. And here we are today in 20, <laughs> the halfway through 2020 and it had an organizational chart and it was like broker owner, uh, lead agent, lead marketing, and, and if, if you counted all like the little tree branches, it was around forty employees. Really? And I was just like, "Who had made that? We did. <laughs> that was like, like your future casting. Yeah, yeah, like by twenty twenty, yeah, we'll exactly. have forty employees, a bunch of bozos. <laughs> um, yeah, forty employees. And, but we looked at it in in twenty twenty now, and we thought like, yeah, like it's so clearly we didn't want that. Yeah, we just thought we wanted it. Yeah, yeah. So every everything changes almost quarterly. It feels yeah, like yeah. we just kind of grow into your new 
new role and new development and you know lifestyle things change like davis having his fifth baby he's telling me like here's how i need to adjust mm-hmm. to make this work yeah i'm like okay great yeah like, let's let's adjust yeah so it's been it's been good covid's been really good for reflection yeah not much up not for much sure. else but at for least sure. for being able to take a step back and saying like i don't need to keep myself busy in this office when i can be doing other things yeah for sure so that that's been awesome for real estate and reprioritizing and then also for creating the the stella tiny homes company yeah and you know seeing what that could be i guess what i love and i'm really fascinated about as i've been kind of discovering that i have this like business mind side mm-hmm. that yeah. i really enjoy that has been awakened what I really love is just the creativity. Like it's such a – we don't think of oftentimes – I guess maybe stereotypically we think of business a business person yeah. as like this – maybe this old model of like suit and tie mm-hmm. and structured and not a art, art artsy type thing. Right. But actually like it's such a – it's such a – I mean and, and in some ways like I guess all fields you could kind of argue there's like left and right brain – things going on but even in engineering i mean like you're having to come up with if you're doing a certain type of engineering you're doing like creative problem solving right and what's interesting about being a business person or starting these businesses is that you could structure a company any way you want like you can and when and then your belief system you don't have to make a catholic real estate company but just your your beliefs inform how you treat your employees how Mm -hmm. you treat your customers how you build your business yeah do you feel that way with nailing key? Like I do. You know, it's funny because I, I I absolutely agree with everything you say. And then I'll give you an example of what we did that took that too far. Okay, <laughs> we yeah. just did it poorly. Yeah. Uh, so we created nailing key back in the early early days with like the social justice concept. Yeah. It's like why why can't we tithe as a business like we're tied to well, like we were called to tithe as an individual to our church. We're like let's do that. Yeah. And so we started doing ten percent of every commission check. So we're off the revenue. 10% of the revenue would go towards a nonprofit of our choosing. And so yeah. we worked in partnership with a different homeless ministry at the time before yeah. we'd started our own. And we were, we were cutting checks and giving them checks and, and it, it was good, but it was also like, Oh wow. We're like, we can't pay the bills. Yeah. You're like destroying months. your company somehow. Yeah, yeah. We're putting ourselves in this, this state where we're kind of like eating away at our own future potential. Yeah. Um, because you know, the company is meant to serve, the customers really, really well. Like yeah. That's the goal. Serve yeah. the customers and serve your people. And then everything kind of like perpetuates itself. So yeah. that, and that's like the, the flywheel mm-hmm. and you just get that going and it just takes off. And then, and then the opportunities, not that it should come only later, but the opportunities for uh, giving out of your, out of your abundance yeah. become really, really incredible. We had, I had the similar experience. We started a Catholic subscription box company, Lumi box. Okay. And, you know, this is like a couple of years back, but this idea was very, I don't know, just we've seen it a lot. Like Tom's shoes, like buy yeah. a pair, give a pair, mm-hmm. all these different models. And we thought, you know, let's do that. That's really cool. And it'll probably encourage people to like sign up and, you know, it'll be this really cool thing. But we had the same problem where we were like, we're not surviving. Yeah. We're getting this, this right now feels like a huge percentage. Um, right. And then we committed to it every month instead of just like, announcing one month that we were giving some money it, like making use of the money but the commitment to it and then um we found that when we tested take removing that from the language like it didn't affect like no one was super motivated by it or or mm-hmm. like it wasn't necessarily something that not that you would do it to affect sales like and to sell more right. but it was like no one cared like we were expecting someone to email us and go hey you're not 
Yeah. But no one did. Was yeah, we had, the same, we had the same exact experience. Yeah, it was it was like, okay, like, well, no one's going to choose me to help them make the largest financial purchase of their life <laughs> because I'll give a chunk of that to some homeless person they'll never meet. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's really blunt, and it's yeah. not meant to sound it's crash true. or anything like that. It's It's more like... Okay, these people need someone they can trust. They need someone that they can you know, put their yeah. put their lives in, and I'm, I'm going to give them the best service I can. Yeah. If I can contribute in other ways to other things that are meaningful to me, then I'll do that as well. Yeah. But it doesn't have to come in that form. That's awesome. So we just had to be comfortable with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it took a little while. It's kind of hard. Yeah. I think a lot of that stuff takes a shot at your pride. Yeah, because you're like, like, I was doing something good. Like, yeah. and Why didn't it work? Yeah, why is this not working? Or Or – uh, there's also you can struggle with just like the guilt of yeah like this internal pressure. I want to be the type of person that is like this. Yeah. And then when you come up short from that, it's like you know being too hard on yourself. Exactly. We want to give. Um, oh crap! I should have had it pulled up. If I pull up my phone, it's normally because I'm um, turning on or off the AC. No worries. I haven't figured that out. <laughs> but then we got. We now have a message from one of our sponsors. Pay, what? Oh no, I can control it from my phone. The AC. I just I'm I'm rough. Oh, I already did it. I already did it. <laughs> Hi everyone. The right now is a message from our sponsor, patreon.com slash the show. You can support the studio. You can support uh everything that we're doing. You can support this podcast and other podcasts we're gonna come out with and all the YouTube stuff that we're gonna be doing. If you go to patreon.com slash the studio. Or wait, no, the show, patreon.com slash the show. Uh, also, the cool thing about signing up there and giving a little bit is that I kind of put all of my, like everything that's coming out in the future, all my ideas, like before they're actually a reality. So there's some cool things that are coming out, some big announcements, let's say, some big things, nice. some cool partnerships, so just a lot of cool things. So if you go there, you're going to get the scoop. Um, that's about it. Also, we'll give you a shout out on the show. And it'll help afford all the uh, expensive jackets that Brittany buys. It won't really, but she does drive a Porsche. Your problem. You're the 1%. Anyways, thank you for <laughs> thank you for supporting. Thank you for supporting the show and all the great shows. Uh, yeah, do we do this? Should we do the sound effect after too? I think so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, really here's another segment. We're gonna we have a package open. Why don't you open this and I'll pull okay. up I'll pull up the uh, you can send us packages to open on the show. Two zero three North Starnes Avenue, Grapevine, Texas, seven six zero five one. Please call ahead if you're just gonna show up. Don't be creepy. Uh, why don't you open that up and I'll look up I forget the name of the company it's, that sent uh, this. The Saint? Saint Clothing Co. The Saint Clothing Co. In Charlotte, North Carolina. So let's see what they gave us here. And he they DM'd me and said Um, sending some stuff. Oh, they did ask my size. Oh, good. So I am going to have to put it on. I'm going to have to take off my clothes right here on camera. Okay. Here we go. St. Clothing Co. What do you think about this, Austin? This company is kind of cool. I recognize that shirt. Who runs this? Who runs this company? I want to know. The St. Clothing Company. We are Saint. Okay. Okay. So give us your, okay. So product reviews. First thing we want to know. Oh, there's a little snaggy there. What does it smell like to you, Austin? It, it smells like, you know, when, no you know, you know, when, you know, when you go to your friend's house and they wash, like their laundry comes out of the dryer Yeah, and 
it doesn't smell like your laundry, but it smells good. It just doesn't smell like your laundry. Right. That's what this smells like. Okay. What does this taste like? What does this shirt taste like? It um it kind of similar the same thing <laughs> yeah you know okay. when your friend's laundry comes <laughs> out of the dryer and you taste <laughs> and you it taste it yeah and it's not your laundry <laughs> so like I, I kind of like this let me see the design here too oh, yeah. what was the design on the front I kind of like this smiley face the style of this God has already won yeah it's kind of cool God has already won Saint established 2019 what's on the back fear is the enemy fear is the Brittany, can you read that? <laughs> what is this? It fear? I don't know. Fear the. Ah, okay. The Saint Clothing Co. Guys, so go check them out online. Saint Clothing Co. Thanks, guys, for sending this. You guys are the best. We'll try to take some product photos later. Nice. What? What? All right. Um, what's next? <laughs> oh, give us the story, the origin yeah. story of Prodigal Projects. Yeah. Okay. So that's good because we. We're basically getting to that point and nailing keys history where that started to form. So yeah. at that time, we well, I mean, it makes sense. You're yeah. like, all right, we're not donating. We we <laughs> let's just start a nonprofit, right? It's like let's still do some good because yeah. we can. Yeah. And so, uh, prodigal projects started with like this idea of what can we give back, and, and Davis actually making the the connection of just like we sell homes. There are people without homes. Like mm-hmm. there are people who would never be our clients, but I bet we could help them in some way. Yeah. Like okay, good yeah. enough. So we did some research, and we actually spent some time down in Austin at the Community First Village, and that's run by an organization called Mobile Loaves and Fishes. Interesting. And so this nonprofit, I mean, to me, one of like the top-notch nonprofits in the country. Can Just, you look that up, Kyle? The yeah. mobile what's it called? Mobile, mobile Lo- Loaves and Fishes. But I, the that's the company. The, that's the that's their brand. Check out uh, the Community First Village. Okay, Community Austin. First Village. Okay. Yeah. So you went to visit there. So we went to visit, and basically what they've done is now they're on phase two. At the time they weren't. It's a fifty-plus acre compound where they've taken the formerly homeless of Austin and given them housing in these micro homes. Okay. So they literally Are they have. Like, like, trailers or are they like tiny homes uh, it's a mixture so they yeah. build they built tiny homes and foundations and then they have these like trailer park on steroids essentially okay is how they would describe it and then included in that so you, you can kind of see some 100 rv slash park homes 130 micro homes how many acres is this on uh, 50, 27 27 50? okay and then phase, phase two is another 25 Wow. So that's kind of how they did it, and then all these com- they have communal showers for the men and communal showers for the women. So how come how come this company like why mm-hmm. couldn't why couldn't the government or why could why why a nonprofit like why yeah why I mean I guess not why are they doing it I mean I understand yeah. why they're doing it but okay so I I'm understand wow so these are like probably not super expensive but at least it's a it's a solid house i mean yeah. it's a solid it's, place uh, you know it's probably the size of this room in, yeah. in many ways and yeah. it'll have your, your bed and, and but it's shelter kitchen and, and things like that yeah it's i mean and it's what they kind of talk about it in detail is that living in dignity yeah and so these uh they have these communal workshops so they actually teach like rehabilitation through art and woodworking and um like blacksmithing interesting and organic gardening these people they earn a dignified income and they pay their rent yeah like it's some pretty special things that they do and and i think in it works for them and it works for the population they serve every every community would have to be slightly different yeah have you read this book um uh kyle you could try to find i forget what it's called but i think it's johan 
Johan Hari, something John Hari or something about connection or community. Mm. And he had, he gave a Ted talk, I think too, about um, addiction and that maybe we've been approaching it wrong. This whole thing about rats. And have you heard about this? They did this study with, okay, I think I know. Keep going. They did this study. So this is how the story goes. When they first were studying addiction, yeah, they would give a rat the drug heroin, heroin, yeah. and give them some of it in the in the water, and they could choose between heroin or or water, just like regular water, exactly, or water with heroin. And the rats would choose the heroin and get so addicted to it, and then eventually die. Here you right. go, yeah, John. Let's not watch it, but Johan Hari, and I think um, it was it wasn't it based on. Whether or not they were isolated. Yeah. So then later another scientist comes along and goes, look, that study um, wasn't complete because the rat was alone. Mm -hmm. So then he had two tests where he did the same thing, the the control. But in another one, he made rat park where Mm -hmm. they could have as much food as they want. They could play with other rats. It was like like an amazing, amazing space. And he found, surprisingly, that those rats did not choose their – like – some of them would try the heroin because, I mean, yeah. you're a rat. Let's do some heroin. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, but then they would – but they wouldn't choose. Like they wouldn't get addicted. They wouldn't die. Right. And so the the theory was that maybe community um, is a is a, is a antidote for addiction. Mm-hmm. And then there was a big kind of national experiment because the Vietnam yeah. War, there were so many people abusing substances mm-hmm. – uh, in the war, yeah. they're in this horrible situation, facing death all the time, you know, and people were really afraid that if the old model was true, all these guys are going to come back like heroin zombies. Right. But it turned out that it was like some really small percentage of people that kept using. Yeah. Whereas if the people that came to healthy families, healthy community, they suddenly didn't need that coping mechanism anymore. And it, and when, um, when, I mean, kind of the common thing is like if someone is really – addicted to a substance you there's this um like let them hit rock bottom and kind of isolate them from your community mm-hmm. like they need to like we don't want to um exactly encourage it or enable it yeah and his kind of thing is maybe there's a way to provide community and like you said treat them as a, a, a respect their dignity as a yeah. human person as a dignified part of that unit yeah and, that, and that's something so alan graham is the founder of mobile loaves and fishes and it's a catholic-based ministry and um, his his quote that he'll often give and what they found in their research over doing this for 20 plus years was um, the the number one cause of homelessness is the catastrophic loss of family. Mm. And, and you you have to think about it because that's not what our that's not what we're taught. Yeah, I, I think we all have our preconceived notions of like it's it's drug abuse. It's the inability to hold down a job. It's maybe if you're mental generous, you'll say it's mental illness. Mental illness, yeah. But a lot of people won't even say that. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of have to look at it from well, if you didn't have your family, and I mean anyone, yeah, and you kind of ripped away all those safety nets that were were raised on yeah you know because you didn't come out of a out of the womb just ready to take on the world yeah then where would you be yeah and once you start to really reflect on that question you start to get down to the heart of what they're trying to accomplish yeah and i mean you look at you look at our current modern setup i mean of any time we have it feels like less and less community less and less maybe authentic not authentic but like very um fruitful and life-giving mm-hmm. experiences of community because yeah. it's so easy we to... might we, we might have plenty of interactions yeah 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 and then uh also i mean we have so much luxury at this point that it's not like 
we're necessarily always so useful in the mm-hmm. sense that like we don't have to wake up and go plow the back 40 exactly. because someone's counting on us. Right. Like, you know, we do, we're all working, but it, you know, there's kind of like that missing sense of, um, yeah, of like you're, you're needed. And I, that always stuck with me, especially I, I wonder in these, these like mobile parks and stuff, if well, there was some work, I guess, right? Like it looked like they were, they give them work, right? They yeah. give them. So they, uh, they ask everyone to provide a rental. It's, it's a very low rent and most of it's, most of the community is paying that out through their benefits through the government. Yeah. Um, collecting social security disabilities or both. Yeah. Um, and then a good 30 to 40% of the community contributes to that and earns a dignified income through selling their own artwork or, um, you know, like tending to their own patch of the farm and selling that produce and things like that. Yeah. So they're, they're really trying to get people in and then they they have another element that I think is really special and, and early is the incorporation of, um, families. So what, what they'll do is anybody who's looking for a different lifestyle who kind of understands what they're getting into is they can live there and just be a neighbor. Yeah, just like be exactly. there. Exactly. That's really cool. Just make a neighborhood. Yeah. Man, that's really interesting. So you went and visited there and then how did prodigal projects it, that kind of stemmed from the idea of like holy cow, we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and with all the fire in the world saying like this needs to be in Dallas. It needs to be everywhere, but it needs to be where we are too. Yeah. And so we rushed back um, and came into this place of like, what do we need to do to make this happen? And so it was so funny, you know, we, we, I, th- I had like two or three meetings with like city officials. Like, I don't know how I got in the door. Yeah. How'd you I, do that? I, exactly. Yeah. And I don't really remember now that I'm thinking about wow. it. I think it was more of just like, they needed help too. Yeah. And they were like, we're willing to listen to anything because we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Not to say that they, not sorry, Dallas officials, yeah. you're great. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys yeah yeah <laughs> shout out to your names <laughs> and um so what we did was just try and like connect with people just try and share the experience and the story and so one night i'm at i'm forgetting the name what's the name we do it at the granada it's that big uh uh 635 oh there you, you go yep Six thirty-five. thank you shout out to dave and lauren moore um the 635 and putting that on and we we're like okay i want to go and one night i'm there and they announce at the end of it, it's like, hey, there is a Catholic outreach homeless coalition, some, uh, some big long word thing that they use. It's probably like that. And I was like, heck yes, that's it. Like, those are the people I need to talk to because these are going to be the big wigs of the Catholic world trying to do know, this. At the time, I was probably saying, like, fight or solve homelessness, something yeah. really naive. But, fight the homeless. Yeah, let's fight those homeless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that, that's probably what I thought. Um, Austin just out here fighting the homeless. Right. <laughs> Ready to go. Let's get him out <laughs> of homelessness. <laughs> and so I, I tell Davis and we're both pumped. And then they had set this night like a week from the, the date that they announced it. And it's like, we're going. So we go to like the diocese of uh, the Dallas diocese office. And we get there. And uh, uh, the guy who had announced it was Sammy Aguimenez. And he had, like, you know, introduced himself. And I was like, hey, man, good to see you. Good to see you. Like, we're so excited. Like, can't wait to be here. Like, and we're, we're still, like, seriously so pumped with this idea. Like, these are going to be the people who are going to make things happen. Yeah. And we get in there, and it's a conference table room. And there's, like, four other people who are more or less the same position as us in every way you can imagine. Yeah. And it was just, like. Dang, it was a little deflating, and part of that was just like deflating my own ego. What do you mean the same position as you? Like, so a bunch of young people who just had this idea of like, I think it'd be nice to help the homeless. What would you guys like to do? 
Okay. And everybody was kind of pointing around the room. And that was deflating. Yeah, it was because I guess I I had it in my head, of course. That someone's doing this and they have a plan and I can just join up. I can just be a part of this. Mm -hmm. And I think I have some good ideas and I think this place down in Austin has some great ideas. So what if we kind of, you know, anchored up to that? Yeah, yeah. Made, Made sense of it. But it was, you know, it was like this roundtable discussion of what should we do? What should we do? What should we do? And I didn't feel like in any way I could just offer up this idea of let's build a homeless village. Yeah. Let's build a village for the homeless. And uh, it ended up being like this discussion of like, let's do a shoebox drive for toiletries. Mm. I was like, okay, that's not bad yeah. at all. In fact, yeah. it's good. Yeah. And, and it's good. Someone should do that. Need and, and someone should do that. But I couldn't have been more like sad yeah it doesn't get you didn't get you going no it doesn't i I struggle with that too like like there are things that are great good ideas Mm -hmm. but uh for me i need dude i i need world-changing vision like i need someone i need something to get behind i need something that really gets me going it gets me out of bed like i need something that's like we're gonna make an impact you know and that's good and bad. It's good. It is and, moderation. And praise God for the people that are collecting bottle caps and stuff mm-hmm. and doing those things. Like that, someone should do that. But I, I have that experience a lot too, where it's like someone should do. I'm glad they're doing it. Right. I'm not doing that. Right. You know. And and so we we left that night. We're just like, okay, what do we do? It's like ten o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> we're like, let's go get some food. So we go over to Eatsies down in Dallas and and we grab food and we're just sitting out there. And uh, you know, Davis and I are just like hashing things out and he's just, and we're just convinced we have to do something and so we're thinking back to how mobile loaves and fishes started and what they actually started with was a, a food drive like they would just hand out sack lunches to people on the streets and they did that for probably two years before they first got a food truck mm-hmm. and it was almost like a food catering truck and then yeah. they drive around have a route and help volunteers plan around that That's davis cool. was like and we're both big thinkers and the, and the funny thing is the food truck was the smallest thing that we felt like we could do that we'd be excited about yeah. everything else felt not exciting, which again, that's probably a, that's a character flaw yeah. for me more than it is like a, a rally cry. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's pitching the food truck. I'm playing devil's advocate, which I normally do in these situations and telling him why it couldn't work or the restrictions and the issues that we'd have with permitting and yada, yada things I don't even know about, but <laughs> <laughs> things I pretend to know about yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And we're just talking and you have eaten half our food and some this guy walks by. He's just, he stops us and he's like, Hey man, like, are you going to finish that? He's like pointing to like a cold pork chop. It's like, no, <laughs> he's like, and and at this point we're like, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh, Oh my gosh. It's a homeless person. But you yeah. know, like time, <laughs> we're to fight still, him. We're, time to fight him. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, and he introduces himself. He's like, Hey, my name is Rodney. Like, I'm I'm out here tonight and I'm just looking for some food if that's okay and we're just like yes come eat yeah. with us Rodney yeah. come here and Rodney I, we're really fighting about this idea yeah. you can break you can be tiebreaker yeah, exactly what do you think no food truck or food truck yeah and I think one of the first things I asked him was just like do you believe in God Rodney I'm like I'm like <laughs> so overcome with the spirit it's annoying yeah <laughs> it's like, he's holding a pork chop in his mouth he's like, <laughs> he's like oh this is gonna be one of those pork chops <laughs> like, I've had a pork chop like this before never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, I, I do. I, I love the Lord and uh, super kind. And we get to know Rodney's story and his uh, his experience with homelessness and his experience um, through life. And um, just an awesome dude. Had a, and just had a great conversation with him that night. And 
I remember as we were kind of wrapping up, we probably talked for like 30, 45 minutes as we were kind of wrapping up. It's like, Rodney, like we're just two dudes who have no idea what your life's been like and probably never will. Um, we don't know how to help you. Yeah. We don't know how to help anyone that's in a similar situation as you, but if we could help you in some way, what do you think that would be? And his answer was really uh, inspiring. He's just like, I just want somebody to give me a chance. Mm. And we kind of took that to mean like, I just want somebody to, you know, give him the time of day and give him the opportunity to prove that he's still a human Mm. and that he has gifts and skills that were innately given to him by our creator. And and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to figure that out. And at the time, this is how it originally started, was like we were going to, you know, almost, you know, making Rodney our poster child. It was a bad way of putting what was at the time a very pure and real thought. It was like he had he had spent some time as a chef. And it was like, let's get Rodney back into the kitchen. So we spent probably a month, uh, like once a week or once every other week, we would meet him for breakfast down in mm-hmm. Dallas. Yeah. You know, usually through Facebook Messenger or whenever his phone was charged. Yeah, yeah. He would shoot me a text. And just be like, let's get some pancakes. Yeah. And so we'd talk and, you know, he came one day to breakfast with like a, a menu that he had prepared. And, and he was like, this is all the stuff I want to make or stuff I know how to make. He's like, okay, let's have a dinner. Wow. <laughs> and we, we basically just tried to get it to this point of like, I guess what we're going to do is host a meal for people. Because, and Rodney's going to cook. And, and we're going to try and get Rodney to cook. Yeah. And so we kind of figured out some solutions. It was between like, do we do a pop-up restaurant in a parking lot? Do we take over a, a real restaurant? Do we partner with a nonprofit? And ultimately it came down to partnering with a nonprofit, our calling, uh, which is centrally located near deep Ellum in South Dallas and has a, uh, a tremendous relationship with those experiencing homelessness in that area. Mm-hmm. And so that was a place of, of comfort and dignity for all parties. Yeah. And so we were like, let's do that. As we we're getting closer and closer to the details it became more and more clear that the relationship with Rodney was changing because you know, Rodney was changing or, or, or we were changing, however you want to look at it. Uh, it. It was a, it was a gentle reminder of like this person needs so much more than mm-hmm. what we can provide. doesn't mm-hmm. mean we don't try and provide anything. It just means like this is a person who's a product of a failing system mm-hmm. and needs more than just two young guys trying to say, let's get you in the kitchen again when he is worried about where he's going to sleep at night yeah. and when he's going to get his medication and if the hospital is going to be able to discharge him and all these different things. Yeah. Um, so that relationship deteriorated over time because Rodney, he started becoming less and less active and in, in, in messaging or, or breakfast and things like that. And we became more and more active in the planning and preparation of the thing that's mm. supposed to serve the person. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of an interesting little conundrum yeah, that yeah. we had to go through looking back on it. It's like, was that the right thing? Or was just maybe yeah. Rodney was just the, the person we were supposed to focus on. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all things happen for a reason. For sure. We go through that and we get to this point of having, you know, this entity now created prodigal projects. I yeah. think that's something, you know, you're an entrepreneur when you always wanted to start a brand name and build an LLC. It's like, yeah. None of this is necessary, but we felt like we had to do it. Yeah, for sure. So we formed that. We formed well, a nonprofit. Yeah. And it helps for people to donate and stuff too. It does too. help for yeah. people to donate, yeah. donate. And in the beginning, there was no donations other than just us. Yeah. Like we were just contributing parts of our checks and yeah. trying to figure that out. And we uh, started our first, what we would call our first initiative uh, was just feast day. And so feast day was like 
let's get together and and have the Sundays that our old Christian fathers would have talked about. Yeah. Let's get the the community together. Yeah. Like open up the doors and just have whoever's around come in and have a good meal. Yeah. And so we we adopted that dine with dignity and and uh, share stories and time together philosophy. Yeah, it's interesting because when you first explained it to me, I really thought it was it was great because, I mean, I think it's good that there are like soup kitchens and places where yeah. people can get a good meal. Necessary. But what was really cool was this idea of um, like the homeless and others will all sit around the same table and all order a meal and all share conversations mm -hmm. and i thought that was really really cool i probably i don't know if i've told the story before on here but we went and did well one when i was a when i was a kid in florida for a couple of years like every every other weekend or something we went um there's a woman in uh tampa that just started a homeless thing like out of a trailer at the back yeah. of her, yeah. her truck and it just kind of grew and grew and there's like five different or there's like four different stops where we'd go set up everything you know and i'm a super young kid, you know, that yeah. was a very formative experience. Then later in college, we met this brother who was just like a lay Franciscan or something. It was like, and brother, I forget his name, but he just lived a celibate lifestyle and walked the streets of Atlanta and just, you know, he did some like giving, yeah. um, and, and, um, handing out food, but a bunch of us college kids like meet up cause we'd heard about it. And I was kind of connected to, some campuses Catholic center, maybe, I don't know. Anyways. So we heard about it and we went out and like maybe eight of us and we had a bunch of peanut butter, jelly sandwiches and, ba yeah. and bags. And he said something that really stuck with me. He said, you know, what's the greatest need of any human person? And we said all sorts of things, you know, happiness or blah, blah. And he said, I really believe that the greatest need is, um, is to help. Like everyone wants to help someone. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he said, you guys have all come out here today because you wanted to help. Right. And he said, but you're going to be trying to help people that have that same need. And he said, like, everyone that you encounter today, they have the exact same need. They want to help. So I want you to look for opportunities to allow them to help you. Mm -hmm. Like, they're going to want to tell you stories. They're going to want to teach you. They're going to want to talk about things that mistakes they've made. Like, like you're giving them something, but you need to let them give you something Absolutely, because they don't get that opportunity often people hardly ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that whole thing that stuck with me for so long. And it's also why I really resonate with prodigal projects. Cause I could, I could sense that, that like, yeah. like let's have the Absolutely. dignity of all sitting around together. And so, yeah, that's what the, the dinners were designed for. And so I remember our first one was just coming together and it's just like in fumes I mean, Davis and I, and our closest friends, it was just like sending out text messages like, please, 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 please come. And so I think we had around 40 volunteers, maybe 50, which I mean, getting anybody, you know, between the age of 20 and 30 on a weeknight yeah. <laughs> to, to 40 minutes outside of their home, like that was impressive. Yeah. And so God bless those first volunteers. They're amazing. And we, I think we served like 100 to 120 wow. individuals. Wow. And that was nuts. Just like we're, we're filling up the place. And we have we didn't have a kitchen at the time, so we had like people frying chicken in a trailer out back. It was like 106. And it was dead of summer, and everybody is sweating like crazy, and everybody was so happy. Wow! And it was really fun, and, and it was exactly what you're describing in that story with the brother. It's like that opportunity to help is so clearly resonant because we have, you know, towards the last some of the last feast days we were having, like you could see people wanting. 
like our guests were now wanting to be servers or were now wanting to lead the conversation at the table, lead the prayers. Um, it was just like so cool to be a part that of that. That is so awesome. Like in that, again, it's like you're giving them an opportunity to help. You give, mm-hmm. give them an opportunity to have that dignity and to say, yeah, I want to host a, a table. You know, right. I want to help. I want to wait and serve and exactly it's so that's very it's amazing man and it, it's never about the food and and you mentioned the 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 soup kitchen metaphor and it's like yeah those are good and necessary and i'm glad they exist but i mean it wouldn't matter if we served food or good food or if we played checkers we just wanted people to be together and give them an opportunity yeah. to to feel heard and seen and yeah and it, it's like a lot of organizations will do this kind of big thing on a Christmas and a Thanksgiving, which is also beautiful and good and necessary. Yeah. But when you're, I can't imagine it, but I have to imagine when you're living on the streets and 90% of the people you walk by won't make eye contact with you, then one dinner a month where someone would say like, hey, how are you? Yeah. It, that has to make their year yeah, in and a just, lot of ways. And just give you uninterrupted eye contact for an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's another thing too. Like, it's not just like a, how's your day going, man? As I check out, you know, at the cash register, it's like, we're sitting right. here for a while. Like I'd like sitting. to know your story. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's been really awesome. Yeah. Um, do you think, so I'm really fascinated by this idea of the, I don't even know how to call this, but these like mm-hmm. flexible mission driven spaces like this. So, yeah. um, I'm really interested in like the nonprofit thing you're doing. I'm also kind of interested in this, like, I mean the same thing, but around these, they used to call them almost business centers or community centers. There's also co-work, a neighborhood co-op. Yeah. This like idea, one just went in, I was telling you about earlier in Grapevine, um, house of shine or whatever. And it's like a nonprofit that helps people discover their, worth and identity or something. Okay. And there's all these different classes for adults. There's uh, story time for kids. There, like, And th- there's a few others, a unique space where leaders come to grow. And they have like – it's listed as a museum online. Okay, here we go. The, wait, good. Uh, it's a nonprofit interactive museum dedicated to the study of you. Our mission is huh. to help people from 5 to 95 discover who they are and why their contribution to the world matters. They have like arts and cra- – I mean it's like a library on steroids. They have arts and crafts, but they also have – uh, like women-owned business classes, like lectures, yeah, lectures really. for women-owned business. Like, and yeah, I, I see that, and I love this idea of. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's similar to a church in the sense of we're we're trying to enrich the community. That's the building. I thought about buying this built. Well, I mean, I dad didn't have the means to buy the building. Dreamed about buying the building. But I, <laughs> I, when I saw this building has been for sale for a while, I'm like, man, there, it would be cool. My wife and I walked around and I'm like, man, it would be really cool. To like this space and this building would be really cool. Yeah. And so I like that it has, there's a few others that uh, there's a communion is a co-work space in downtown mm-hmm. Dallas that has family meals kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. And then um, there's uh there's a few others and I don't know what to there's call another it. One, um, oh, there's one in Fort Worth. It's like a pay what you can restaurant concept. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. So the bill is always $0. You put whatever you want. Wow, that's really interesting. And so, and they so place you, themselves in a, in an area where they, they were very strategic about it. I got to talk with the chef um, and and co owner, really nice guy, and he's very he, he's that is his right brain is analytical, and he looked at it as like if I could find the neighborhood where I knew that sixty percent of my patrons could afford the meal plus, mm-hmm. and then I knew I could serve the forty percent on 
the less than the bill or free. Yeah. It's like, it just has to be sustainable. I think, I think that's what good ministry is. is yeah. It's, it's a business model, quote unquote business model that gives you the opportunity for growth. Yeah. Because I mean, I've done this several times now. I'll probably keep doing it in other industries is I'll create something that I think is meant to serve the greatest good right out of the gate, but I didn't give myself any potential for what next year could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I found in youth ministry that if we held a fundraising car wash and mm-hmm. we put a price, $5 or whatever, or $10, whatever the price was. Yeah. And then if we tried it again, but put no price, we always made more money with the no price. Really? Because pe- there's people like, what's this for? And and some people are stingy and then yeah. some people are very generous. Exactly. But when you put a price, the generous people come down sometimes to it. And then the stingy people maybe come up a little bit or they gripe about it or they just don't do it. Yeah. But when we put, and I think this has been a thing that, um, Gumroad is like a sales website where you can sell products and services and stuff and they have a pay what you want. Um, and they've found similar things. There's been some people that have found like really? they make more money if they just put pay what you want. Some people use it for free and then come back and donate like a hundred bucks. Cause they're like, this was great. Like this helped me yeah. tremendously. Um, it's amazing. There's another space and I'm probably going to be talking, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to hear me process this a lot. Um, these different types of spaces. There's a space wax space in Dallas, I think as well. Mm -hmm. And they have, it's like, it's a co-work space with a partnership with a local roastery. Okay. And then they also have lectures on like business lectures. So it's like what the way I'm thinking about it is Starbucks is a national, we work, you know, uh, these types of, they're like national. Yeah. This is like the local, local. the local coffee shop. People, you know, right. So like, this version and business model is like there's one space and we're hyper local. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we how can we benefit the community? I love that. That's the that's the Mother Teresa sweep, yeah. sweep your own doorstep philosophy. It's really interesting, and I like the Saint Mother Teresa. And I like the combination of business and nonprofit, right? Like for profit, nonprofit, that kind of combination. I, I I'm I'm a little more capitalist in nature than uh, a lot of my fellow Catholics, and so yeah. I just look at it, it's like. After owning both a for-profit and starting a non-profit, I sometimes wonder why non-profits exist. Yeah, so that's what I'm nervous about. I'm I'm torn between the two as well because I've heard some people say non-profits often it's easier to hide a really failing business model, like Mm. or or just unhealthy. I mean, obviously, Mother Teresa and what she was doing in Calcutta is not a is not a sustainable profit or business model, right? But Sometimes a nonprofit model can hide your effectiveness and your organizational health mm-hmm. because it's like, well, more money's just going to come in, uh, and that's what I'm ner- that's what I'm a little. Ner- so I, I, you know, someone told me that advice way back when, and I, I kind of always been set on like yeah. for I mean, profit. You never know until you try both. True. I just found that for us or for me personally, it was like, man, the nonprofit stuff was was harder. Yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting, and it just became. I don't know. And maybe part of it, which was a good thing, was you kind of have to surrender yourself a lot to whatever might happen. Yeah. Whereas like the for-profit stuff is like, I, I know what I need to do. I yeah. can go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is awesome. I think that that philosophy is awesome. Of uh, We have to start thinking about holistic businesses yeah. that serve both the customer, um, our, our, our workers, ourselves, 
and uh, the community at large. Yeah. Both. I, w- I would go as far as to both ecologically and and through service. And, yeah. And the betterment of those around you. Like yeah. that's that's what that's what true capitalism was designed for. Yeah. And what so, would you what would you call this these things like creative business models? Like what do you what no do you idea. call it? like I mean <laughs> building. I and do you feel like coming out of COVID? I think this is going to be more and more of a trend. These really interesting creative buildings as spaces for people to come together and experience community. Yeah. And it's it's like a it's like a church, but and some of these are connect in connection with the church. Like mm-hmm. Life in Deep Elm is connected to a, a church. It's a nonprofit that's funded and supported by a church, but it's it's an outpost that's meant to not be like so direct right it's just we're in the community we're hosting people we're doing hospitality we're the front porch almost yeah and then the church is like yeah like if you're interested come to the church but well it's funny it's like if if we were looking back i don't know 200 years ago we and we were describing what this place is and what it does and how people gather and how many people were there we'd be talking about the church yeah yeah so What what do you think that what do you think shifted in that oh gosh a lot. <laughs> I, I don't Communists. Know. Yeah, those guys. The libs. I don't. I'm probably not educated enough to speak on it, but it's it, it is really interesting to see where our our gathering spaces have shifted to, yeah. um, and what community has looked like, and what we're trying to create it in the future. I I think it's really awesome that we're creating these daily need places like coffee shops and restaurants. There's yeah. a restaurant in Dallas that. Um, employs at-risk youth. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kids who would otherwise be placed in the juvenile system, juvenile detention system who are given an opportunity to uh, recreate themselves through culinary mastery. Interesting. Amazing. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) That's so great. And I'm glad that you guys can fund yourself through donations and through your business model. We had a guy on the last episode, Andrew Whaley, Kyle. Yeah. Enjoy. (laughs) Sorry, my mic was on mute. No, it's fine. The feedback. Um, He said uh, people people used to always have a third place. Like the first place is your home, second place is your work, and then you have – everyone used to have a third place, and the third place Mm -hmm. was either a tavern or coffee shop. There was always like a third place, and the third place was where people come together and be on the same level and be equal and experience community and have conversations. And he said you know, with with modern technology and – the modern age, we have a lot of that being stripped mm-hmm. away. And that third place could be churches as well. It's mm-hmm. places of community where everyone's equal. Um, but a lot of people today, like I think, in my opinion, a lot of people today's day and age, like they don't know that they want a church as a third place right. or they feel like they've heard, they've heard the Christian message. Like that's not my third place, mm-hmm. but you're, I feel like people really still long for that. And it's the coffee shops. It's the, it's the bar, you know, it's, it's, and people really want it's cheers, right? It's the show Mm -hmm. cheers. Um, and I wonder if out of COVID, we're going to really have a heightened sense of that need for community, the in-person or the, just being around other people. I think so. I I think, you know, um, you and I have read a lot of the same books and I think it was, uh, Simon Sinek's most recent book, the infinite game. Oh, I haven't Uh, haven't read that yet. It's a great one. I think that was, I, I was starting to read that and kind of understand where he's coming from and also apply it to some philosophies of like uh, strength finders and other types of resources yeah. like that, where I was like, who the heck am I? <laughs> I'm trying to understand like, what is it that makes me, me? Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm doing this with my wife and, and, and Davis, my business partner and his wife, Jenna. And we're just kind of talking about like, well, what is it that 
makes us us and how like our community has grown so much over the past few years and the idea you know it's it's broad of course but the simple idea of community was what we all like pinpointed Mm. it's like i just don't know how i can do anything without this massive support group yeah and like you guys are the core group of that plus my family yeah yeah. and then it extends out and out and out and out yeah and we were just thinking about that and it's like i mean it's it's true and it's true in nail and key and uh, the realtors and business partners that we have, the, the clients that we work with, uh, you know, they're people I see fairly regularly, the people I want to go to dinner with and spend mm-hmm. time with and know about their families. I see it with prodigal projects and the network of relationships that that was starting to build and create through these, uh, just through people who would never interact otherwise. Yeah. And and starting to strengthen that was amazing. And then it, it was trying to like, well, what do we do next that is really community-based that is really uh, simplistic in nature and that's when we came up with the the stella tiny homes concept which really? is which is kind of a funny little connection so what yeah what what's the mission behind stella so we're, we're, you know right now you know it's funny we're, we're very for-profit in that we're trying to construct tiny homes on wheels yeah so we're looking on at, wheels yeah wait why so, on wheels Oh yeah, check out like, our Facebook like, page that hasn't started yet. Wait, what do you mean on wheels? Like like yeah, mobile so homes that you can kind of yeah, drag around? Built on trailers. What? So maybe I think Kyle, you just search search tiny homes on wheels. Wait, so is the idea someone just like is almost like an RV? Like someone has it behind their truck and just moves around? Yeah. So you can kind of get an idea here. You build them on these engineered trailers, and then you just you hook up your one ton or. Yeah, okay, so and you just pull that around. So it's all, it's kind of like having an RV, but you're carrying around your cabin. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I love the whole tiny home, tiny shed, like uh, she shed yeah. kind of man cave type stuff. It's so. Oh yeah, granny pod. I, granny I love. Pods, yes. No, that's a really. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I seriously for anyone who has an older parent or someone who's like you're starting to have that conversation about. Do we put them in hospice? Do we pay for someone? Yeah. Think about put them think in the backyard. Of, think about a five hundred square foot <laughs> home that you build out, and they're there. Like yeah. I think it's really There's one right there, twenty five thousand for the Bunky Voss cabby thingy. Yeah, and think about it. Like your parents get to still have that dignity, yeah. but they're close by. Like in, you don't have to buy a new house or something. You know, if you don't have the means to have them in your house, you don't exactly. want to add on or something. I think this is there's a there's a country that I remember reading where like they've pretty much done away with all hospice or end of life care type things because people just do these in their backyard. Dude, and one of the Swedish. There's countries. even more countries like that that never that don't even know what hospice is. I know because they have my extended wife is, families. Yeah, exactly. My wife is Filipino. Okay. And so when we traveled to the Philippines back in 2017, I remember just kind of having that conversation with her. It's like they don't know what hospice is. Yeah, like it's totally it's culturally appropriate that the eldest takes care. Yeah. Of the parents when they reach that age. Yeah, that's it's interesting. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and I also feel like maybe there's a little bit of in our culture of trying to separate ourselves from death. Oh, yeah. It's like they need to go somewhere sterile to die. They need right. to be – They'd kinda, be better. Yeah, like, whereas like ourselves. a lot of other countries, it's like, no, gr- grandma died in the in the house. Like, yeah. you know, oh, she, yeah. she was born in the house. She died in the house. <laughs> <laughs> to dust and dust. Okay, so what – so tiny house – why so yeah it's like where's that connection right? yeah, yeah 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 i don't blame you so it's coming from are you and all your friends just g- driving out to a big parking lot and parking your little cabins and you-, you know it's so funny you mentioned that there was oh man this is probably a year ago now where uh 
Davis and I created a PowerPoint slide. So we have like a, a marriage group yeah. that we meet with uh, monthly. So it's yeah. us and well, it's me and Kimmy and then four other couples, yeah. so 10 of us total. So you created a PowerPoint. This, created was, this, PowerPoint. this was 1995 when you did this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. When Prezi was <laughs> – I didn't know how to use Prezi. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I probably used PowerPoint 1995 yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably did. <laughs> and so we created this PowerPoint slide about this piece of land in Flower Mound that we were going to purchase – and all the little tracks that we would create and this like here's the Novitsky's home, here's the Railings home, here's the Weibel's house, here's yeah. the chapel where Father Martin will live when he retires. Here and it's like real stuff. Here's the shed. It's a very Benedict option yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I actually have that book. I haven't read it yet. I but, haven't either. But I just that, know about it. <laughs> that's it pretty much. I don't have to read it. Just scroll through Facebook and listen to people's opinions about it, right? Yeah. That's how I read all my books. That's how I read all my books too. There you go. So uh, we did this of like – I'm so enamored. That's with not true. I'm very idea. educated and I read a lot. <laughs> I'm so enamored with the idea of what that style of community looks like. But that's the thing. When you start experiencing that type of community, you do start going, buy a house in my neighborhood, please. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Like, couldn't we just, wouldn't this be great? Like, wouldn't yeah. this be, um, and there is something about that. And I think, yeah, anyways, that, that, you know, there was, um, I don't know if we could even find this online, but there was someone that, my old, my old coworker Sam Ford worked on this, but there mm-hmm. also was um, an architecture company proposed a restructuring of a church's um, plan. It was kind of okay. like, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh-uh. So the idea was to restructure the church property to be more like um, a what would you call it, like a town square kind of thing. Okay, yeah. So. You have all this property, and what you do is you build uh, like kind of like um, what's the one in South Lake? It's called just the town square. So you have shops, nice. You have shops, but you also have above them apartments. Yeah. So you're making money. You could lease out some of the shops. You could use some of them for ministry stuff. Right. You also have tenants, right? And granted, what church wants to like now be the landlord? But you could you could let another company do that and split a percentage maybe oh sure but um you also like the way they mapped it out it was like these like like it's all walking stuff it's all Mm -hmm. like you're walking around there's places to gather there's like the community centers kind of Mm -hmm. idea like there's an outdoor theater there's all of these things and the idea is like bring people to this experience of beauty this experience of community have Mm -hmm. these events and stuff so that people uh, there's still, and then there's the church right in the center. And so you could have, um, I mean, you could have, you could have all your really passionate, faithful Christian friends, like living in community there, but also doing mission together, praying together and, and it be this hub in a community. Absolutely. So we we were kind of looking at that and thinking like one, we wanted it for ourselves and we still do. It'll probably exist in some other form. We just don't know yet, Yeah, yeah. but I love the idea of it. And we also thought like, well, heck, I mean, if tiny houses, which was an interest of Davis's that I was just like, I can get on board with. If tiny houses are a way that we can kind of provide a opportunity for simplified living for, you know, a more affordable option of living, not like the cheapest things in the world, but, you know, if you're going to buy a house in Grapevine, you're going to spend a minimum of what? Like 250000 Yeah. It is what it is. Um, and then opportunities to, you know, move and, and locate into places that, felt more like home. It, yeah. it was, you know, it was taking the, I just got an advertisement on, on Facebook for like this 
thousand acre master plan development west of Fort Worth. And they had like, uh, like probably six pools and a maker space and like a, a full fledged gym and like a yoga studio all for these residents. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's really cool. And I think they even had like a shared organic garden. It's like, that's really cool. Wow. And I'm sure those 10 houses that live right next to it will use it. And the other, uh, 1400 houses won't. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is kind of like we're building cities with this marginal attention to detail on what it's like to really commune. Yeah. And I, I just kind of felt like I bet we can figure out a better way to do that. Not that we're going to figure out that ourselves, but I bet we can contribute to that in a positive way yeah. through these houses and through uh, the development of land as well. It's something we're interested in. Yeah. It's kind of creating those spaces, yeah. not just the house itself, but the space where you can park that house. Yeah. Monastic life. Yeah. 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 How do you, how do you discern the ideas you have? Like when you're coming up with these <laughs> ideas, are you the type of person that you just as quickly as possible, start testing it and putting it out there? Or no, do you have to really plan it all out ahead of time? Uh, my nature is to plan out as much as physically possible. Okay. So I, I kind of look at things in almost a pessimistic light and I'm working on it. Which is like, if I see the goal and I see the outcome, I see the hundred things that'll get in my way first mm-hmm. and then I'll create a plan of action to tackle those hundred things. Yeah. Now Davis, you know, God bless him as he balances me out. And he's just like, I'm already, I've already jumped over these hundred things. I, mm-hmm. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. And so we were able to help each other. And, and I think that's a, that's a big, uh, he's a big attribute to that. Yeah. And being able to get us from point A to point B yeah. without too much pressure. Now, the way we discerned a lot of our ideas was like, let's make a list. And we have this like, Excel sheet somewhere uh, or Google sheet, excuse me. So yeah. I want you to think that I use PowerPoint. Excel. PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> um, Google sheet. Yeah. So we have this Google sheet where it has like all of the business ideas that we're interested in. Yeah. And this is including our wives, which we started to in- incorporate more. Wives are a really good year. business idea. Yeah. I think we should is all that get some wives. That, that includes your wife in the business, like <laughs> yeah. the business idea. <laughs> no, wives are, wives are horrible business ideas. <laughs> are, you, are you offended by that? No, I'm I'm joking. No, my wife is very profitable. What does that even mean? See, this is what I love doing. Uh, I guess saying, when I hear that, I think fertile. <laughs> this one sounds like that's true. Congratulations! That's true. It's She's very productive. Well, he has like 18 kids, so it's probably yeah, that's true. true. Uh, so yeah, we we include our wives in these kind of discussions, and we have like a list of I think it's like 30 or 35 business ideas. Yeah, I mean it's everything ranging from opening a distillery to uh, writing Catholic children's novels. Oh wow. Like, so how, but you're setting all your own hours. How do you make sure that you're balancing all? I mean, are you considering oh, this stuff? Balance? Yeah, I know. Right. I mean, it doesn't exist, but I am nervous, uh, as well about that. Like how balancing all these different things going on and yeah. How, how, yeah. Like how do you, are you setting aside time? Like, do you say, okay, every Thursday Davis and I get to kind of really dream and plan of other business. That's not the day to day nail and key. So there's a great book. It's Patrick Lencioni's The The Advantage. Yeah, and that, read he, it. He talks about that, which is like, here's my research showing why you need to have this type of meeting once a day. Your daily check-in, you need to have this type of meeting once a week. You need to have this one once a month and this one once a quarter. And it goes into detail. And we did that for all of two months, and then uh, and <laughs> and then Davis couldn't set the alarm. So that you know, this is one of those things where everybody's different. That's something I can do. And I can stick to for a good while. 
that's not in his skill set and it didn't fit his needs and it stressed him out more than it was necessary. Yeah. So I think for everybody it's a little bit different, but you know, you can always you can always try those things if it doesn't yeah. vibe with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think we're all the same, but I, I think there's a definite benefit to time blocking. Yeah. And I think there's a definite benefit to setting reasonable expectations on what you should and shouldn't commit to. Yeah. And for us we just decided like we're going to commit to the tiny home venture one because it's exciting and, and you and I are alike and I just have to be motivated by it. And yeah. writing children's books today is not the most exciting thing to me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. later. Yeah. So I want to build a tiny house cause that sounds really cool. And I, I think of it this way. I think it's something that people should consider, but I'm not saying it's something people should always think about is like, I need something that's going to make money. Mm. I'm, I'm not doing this at a point in my life where I think like, if this doesn't work or if this costs me money, whatever. Yeah. No, that's that's crazy. I, I need to create a successful business model so that I can do the other 34 things on my list. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to stop here. Do you ever struggle where Davis is like, hey, let's just keep growing Nail and Key and you're like, mm. no, man, this month I want to work on tiny houses. Oh, it's a good question. Like how do you balance that? So right now we, we have a, a model that's basically set up where we operate as business owners in a small way, but mostly as individual agents. Okay. D Davis has his book of business and he'll do as many deals as he sees fit okay. based on his expenses yeah. or, or whatever his goals are. And I have my own book of business where I'll do my deals based on the okay. same thing. Yeah. So we've gotten to a great rhythm with that over the past few years of just like you do your thing, I'll do mine. And then we'll help each other whenever needed. Yeah. The harder thing becomes on the the newer businesses that we're both equally committed to, but have great disparities in timeliness. Yeah. Or like, you know, I, I'm married with no kids. And so my evenings, like I, I get to be away from home right now and, and Kimmy is not drowning. Uh, and, and child, yeah, my, my, my <laughs> wife's being drowned by yeah, our kids. Exactly. No, they're all asleep probably. <laughs> Which is good. Good. Yeah. Um, Davis doesn't have, you know, luxury wrong word for it but he doesn't have that abundance yeah. of time yeah and so we have to we just have to be super communicative with each other yeah and be honest about like i need this from you you need to tell me if you can't give it to me yeah and that's okay man that's super healthy that sounds like a healthy marriage yeah we are very healthy <laughs> happily and healthily <laughs> married <laughs> uh kyle let's go to our segment here Awesome. We thought it would be great since you're such a great um, real estate agent. Sweet. What we want you to do here, and um, we're, we want you to – we're going to show you a few pictures, but what we want you to do is sell us on this property, right? Yeah. And you know, you can make you can make guesses about the rest of the building, but I want you to talk to me like – you know, you're really yeah, – as yeah. a real estate agent, you're like, well, look you, at the benefits of this space. Yeah. I mean obviously you've heard of hydroponics gardening, right? No, I one haven't. Of, Tell one me of the more. Most efficient uses of water and uh, vegetable growing on the planet. Really? Yeah, it's actually quite incredible. So this is a thirty thousand dollar upgrade that the the sellers put in. Okay, uh, and upgrade. we're looking here for those listening. This yeah. is a picture of what looks like a pool, Austin, that's been filled with well or uh, overgrown. Yeah, somebody with your eye might call it a pool. I guess. <laughs> so what? So fill me in on the rest of this. So this was a thirty thousand dollar upgrade to the yeah, house. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a hydroponic system. Okay. It's used to grow. Uh, that's high grade algae, so you okay. can actually sell that for like seventeen dollars an ounce. So this like is a profitable. Right so this is like a profitable. Yeah. yeah. Seventeen dollars an ounce for algae. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Microgreens. Those yeah. are going out the roof right the now. Algae market's really going up. Right. It's all these fit girls on Instagram. 
Yeah. That one I drink. It's really but, high on omega threes. It's uh you actually process it better than you would fish oil. It's man, incredible. this is really cool. Okay, so a house like this that has one of these additions on the back, give us like your best guess at the what's the market value of this home? I mean, just judging from where we are at the skyline's telling me Toronto. So I'm exactly. thinking probably like one point four. Okay, cool. Cool. So cheap. One point four yeah. million. All right, cool. Here's the next and these are actual real estate photos. <laughs> Yeah, this is what we would call a modern homestead. Okay. So we're, we're modern homesteading here. Obviously, you've got your concrete stucco interior, so it's very earth-friendly. It's uh-huh. like an earthship type home. Where okay. it's, uh, you've got a lot of passive solar mm-hmm. activity going okay. on through your windows here. Uh-huh. So you're catching you, – you basically have an, <laughs> an – it's not exactly north-south facing because you want the proper wind distribution – and that, and that explains why this pig here is uh... – <laughs> Wait, wait. I just noticed. Is that a pile of money next to the pig? I think it's a – it comes with the house. If For it those is. who are listening, you got to go to YouTube or go to my Instagram because we are definitely going to clip this out. But it, there is like a concrete floor and a pig resting his head <laughs> on the couch. Right. We got it. We got okay. It. Okay. Yeah. So – so there's some pros to this to this house. I mean, like yeah, this lifestyle. Yeah, really this life. This is yeah. So we're selling this, the lifestyle. Yeah, this is not just a real estate investment. This is a lifestyle investment. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So what would you ballpark this property? This is the only thing you're exposed to, obviously. So you're you know you doing the best you can, but right, right, right. So obviously it's, it's a little TLC, uh, but it's a handyman special. So I'd say you're you're easily looking at multiple offers around two hundred fifty thousand. All right, solid, solid. Let's move on to the next. Um, the, <laughs> so this is a the picture of a kitchen. Some of the cabinet doors are open, r- open and removed. I guess the some the, open, some removed. The person that was taking the photo wanted you to see inside the cabinets, right? Well, ample ample storage yeah. in that kitchen. Um, there's some really nice yellow wood paneling on the side here. Oh, we see it, Brittany. Brittany's pointing. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll get there. Brittany has pointed to a, a art art uh, installment here. It looks like maybe going into the kitchen. There's just some letters. Who knows what? But probably inspirational quote right. of some sort, right? Millennials love inspirational quotes. Yeah. So um, <laughs> very interesting. I mean, obviously a little outdated, um, but nice upgrade to the ceiling fan and the recessed can lighting. It's good to see open concept in the kitchen. It's very in right now. Yeah. So really, we're talking about changing out the cabinet faces, painting them white. Adding in some quartz countertops. Could we get some extra lights on the art installment? Maybe. Oh, absolutely. I, it look. I mean, perhaps some plumbing problems. <laughs> it looks like we had some backflow off the uh, off the half bath toilet on the yeah. wall there. It looks like there was a lot of backflow going on yeah. in this building. It also looks like maybe someone was trying to uh, trying to really get the spirit of Kurt Cobain's life. <laughs> like, I just want to live like Kurt Cobain, like when he was really in his grunge year. Like he yeah. was really doing rough. Had a rough okay, so a house like this with an extra art installment, right? What would you price this at? Well, it's gonna be different in every city, and uh, in Austin, now what you, city? Because with, with your with <laughs> your <laughs> <laughs> so with your expert eye, you can tell exactly where in the world this is, right? So, right, give right. a like, where is this in the world? Uh, yeah, I'm actually Austin? gonna I'm gonna say this is in Austin, okay? Texas. And then what's the what's the market value of this home just based off of this photo? Uh we're looking at probably 435,000 with an extra 15 for the art installment. Okay, cool. You heard it here first. All right, let's go on to one more. <clears throat> Holy a rare chance to own the opening scene from 12 different horror movies. So, 12 different. 
So this, I mean, look, this, this is just, this is honest, right? Like, look, this is a room that's really needs some, some drywall, right? Like it just needs some drywall. This one isn't actually that bad. Kind of a nice bike. Yeah, it's a very nice bike. I bet it comes with the place. I I bet it would too. So we got some concrete floors here. Obviously it's, uh, looks like it's been in the process of being refinished. Yeah. So. Depending on the, you got like some settlement cracks in the upper right hand corner there, so maybe some foundation damage. Yeah, and I recommend you get an engineer out there see what they're thinking. But yeah, um, possibly a foreclosure. Okay, you know maybe pick it up at the county courthouse for around eighty thousand. Okay, do you ever have clients worried about hauntings or houses Dude. being built on burial graves? Of- so this is like a recent story. Okay, so this just happened. Okay, yeah, to you. No. Oh, what? what tell me uh, the story. But a friend. What's the story? But a friend. Okay, so my home inspector, his name's Al. Shout out Al. Send this to him. Um, he and his wife, these are some of Davis's clients, but he's been our home inspector for uh, you know, two years now. Super nice guy. He and his wife are thinking about moving closer to town. They live, who the hell knows where, like up near Decatur or something, yeah, yeah. some other foreign country. <laughs> and uh, they're thinking of like moving to Arlington. So he found this house while driving through a neighborhood that was uh, on the market, and it just like gorgeous house like huge uh big lot and it he he got up there and he talked to the agent he's like yeah the house is for sale it's uh like two hundred fifty thousand. it's like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house that should be double that mm. and we're, it's just like oh my gosh mm. so they're checking it out and walking through and he and his wife split up they're going through different house, sides of the house while the agent's taking measurements in the front of the house and uh al walks to the back bedroom and he's checking it out and he looks through the kitchen and out in the backyard, he sees this guy walking through the backyard. And he just kind of noticed like a tall, slender man, not slender man. A slender man. Yeah, so we're not, we're not taking it back to that. But he, the only thing that he noticed about him that was strange is that he had silvery skin. Like He just like felt like he was shimmering. Like an alien. Maybe. So his wife, I, I'm thinking his wife's name is Annie, so I hope I don't get that wrong. Alan Annie. Annie and Alan. And it was like, it's like almost like a TV show. Yeah. How close their names are. So Annie's in the master bedroom, and she walks in there, pokes her head around, and she sees a tall man with what she would describe as silvery skin. Just she saw it separate. Separate. Okay. Just looking around, and uh, she in like house. in the house. And so she smiled and said hello, and he didn't really say anything; just acknowledged her. And in the house. In the house. So they finish their their group tour, and they come back out to the front of the house, and they're looking at it, and they're like. Man, the house looks awesome. Like I don't, I don't I have no idea why it's so cheap, um, but it looks amazing. And so, like, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I thought it was so weird though. It was like there was another guy in the house. He's like, yes, I saw him too. He was in the backyard when I was in the kitchen. It's like, no, he was in the bedroom when I was there because I saw him. It's like I'm, they described the same guy too. He's like, and he had silver skin, right? Looked about sixty years old. Like, oh my gosh. Yes. And so they're both like, what the heck? That's crazy. And so they call Davis. Davis calls the agent who who's now no longer at the house. He had left. And the agent, he gets on the phone with them. He's like, hey, man, like I uh, just had some clients walk through your house. Like they love it. I think it's awesome. Can you kind of tell me why it's been on the market so long and like a little bit more about the price? Also, like weird thing. Like I don't want to be weird about this, but my clients like saw something funny. And the agent's response is, what did they see? Mm-hmm. it's like oh okay <laughs> it's like you've heard some stuff yeah and uh he tells him about 
Silverman, which is how they're describing it. He's like, oh, I haven't heard about Silverman yet. It's like, what have you heard? <laughs> and it's like George Davis telling this story, but he's like, oh my gosh, uh, well, what else can you tell me? He's like, well, how much time you got? He's like, 30 minutes ago. And so he just starts going through all these different things that other people have been reporting back and it, during these showings. Other There's different types of people? Other different occurrences, I guess, encounters. What? Say. What do you think is going on? So the funny thing is... Um, then what happens? You know, Davis doesn't... They buy the house, obviously. No. <laughs> we'll get there. Buy the house. So buy get, it. I, I thought about it. And then make it like And then a, get a priest out there. We'll and just then... make it an event space. <laughs> Come on out. Let's see what you experience out here. <laughs> and then we also hold it open for the local community art classes. I mean, how much would you, how much would you pay? Would you pay money if someone said, now, Austin, mm-hmm. this story turns where you say, Austin, okay. 20 bucks, you can go spend an hour in this, in this building. Gosh, maybe after I went to confession, we have like, it out, we have it outfitted with cameras. It's like escape room. Yeah. We have an interesting escape room concept. All right, we have this. We have <laughs> this house. Really, you really need to get out. <laughs> if you think escape rooms are 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 legit, this is like this Man, is for I bet people. Escape rooms are really hurting right now. Yeah, probably. Maybe this, that fad is over. Yeah, COVID. But like, imagine like this is for people that are hardcore into escape rooms. Like oh, this yeah. is hard. Like this is like all right. You pay us twenty bucks. You bring a couple of your friends. And you're just going to walk through this house. Yeah. And then you tell them some of the stories and then you just say you can go into the house. I like it. I think the house might still be on the market. Would you go? Right after I went to confession. Okay. Yes, I would go. Um, So he's talking to the agent and the agent's like, well, I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, It sounds like your clients didn't look at the documents that were available on the website. But there's actually a paranormal activity report on this house, which is a hilarious thing that exists. First, That's like a real estate thing. Apparently, like I just learned just, about it my three wow. after my three years. Dang. So somebody went out there and did this, you know, fifteen-page paranormal activity report. Yeah, and uh, presented their findings of suspicious and paranormal activity within this residence. And so that this house is owned by the bank, it's foreclosure, and this guy just sells a bunch of foreclosure homes. Wow! So he's had it on the market for you know 120 days at this point yeah, when well, Allie and Annie are walking through. Yeah. But the day it, like the day or second day it went on the market, he had it under contract. So when you do houses like this, you know, you have to put money down and things like that. But sometimes when the price is so low, they do non-refundable deposits. Interesting. So for this particular house, you know, you had to throw $10,000 down immediately just to be able to say, like, it's yours. Yeah. And so back on day two of the market, when all of this stuff was still, like, an unknown, there was no paranormal activity report. There was no nothing. It was just like, hey, we got a cheap house. Whoever wants it. Some handyman came along and put it under him. And so this guy throws down $10,000. Uh, two days later, he shows up to the house to do his own kind of inspections and stuff and just check everything out. And he's planning on buying the house. And he brings his two sons. And so he's uh, going through the house and, and doing his thing. And, and the kids had brought this little card and dice game, and they were playing it at one end of the hallway. And he's at the other end of the hallway in the kitchen and kind of separating. It's like living room, weird layout, but like living room, kitchen, and then there's like a long row of uh, doors leading to bedrooms. I'm going to get ready for the story. I have a, yeah, keep going. Yeah, go for it. And so he's doing his thing, um, checking things out and the kids are playing that dice game. And it's like, uh, he's, he's hearing like a lot of noise and it's kind of bothering him. It's like, he can hear the dice like being picked up and dropped and being picked up and dropped and picked up and dropped. He's like, boys, cut it out. Like I'm trying to work, pick up and drop, pick up and draw. He's like, boys, enough. Heard another time. He took a step out into the hallway, looks down to where the boys were and he just sees the dice and cards levitating. 
just floating in the air. I know. He takes another step forward, and they just slam against the wall and drop. Holy. And he's like, what the heck? And so now he's like, boys, where are you? They're upstairs. Now, the funny thing about this upstairs situation is back when the owner or back when the seller's agent, like, first got the house, he had to send in crews to clean out debris and stuff like that, get it, like, somewhat presentable. But they noticed that one thing was weird is that there's this long uh, staircase that leads to the upstairs bedroom. There's only one, and it was completely barricaded. So, like, almost every piece of furniture in the house was wedged in between no! these two walls leading all the way up to no! that door. No! That's not what you want to see. So, I mean, and something no! was being kept in or kept out, right? Ah, no! So the boys are up there. No! So he runs, and he grabs his boys, yells at them to come down, and he gets them, runs out of the house, throws them in the truck. It's like... Do not move. I'm going to get my stuff. I'll be right back. No, you never do that. Haven't you seen any scary movies? You never yeah. You never do I'll be right back. You so, never do I'll be right back. Exactly. You can't you say that. You never do I'll be you right can't back. You say that. No, you don't go back in. Exactly. Especially by yourself. That's when it happens when you're by yourself. Exactly. So he goes back in to get his you know hundreds of dollars of equipment. Forget that. And as he's walking, you know, the, the way it's described to me, he's walking, I would be freaking out and yeah. sprinting. You'd be doing that light, you know, you know when you're walking and you're, you're like kind of, <laughs> you're kind of like, <laughs> like that's the walking I would be doing. So he's coming through that hallway of four doors. Yeah. And every time he passes by one, it slams. No! Slams. No! Slams. Slams. He gets to the kitchen and the kitchen door slams in his face. He has to wedge it open and pry his way in, grab his tools. By this time, all the kitchen cabinets, all the doors in the house are just open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close. <gasps> He's running out of the house, calls the agent up, tells him, I'm done. Keep the 10000 I don't want the house. And, and the agent's like, the agent's what? Like, what the heck? And so the agent and Davis are kind of just having a dialogue now. Yeah. He's like, look, man, like I know I just told you that story, but I want you to know, like, I'm a normal dude. Yeah. <laughs> this is a funny sentence. Yeah, dude. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. But I'm a normal dude. Like, I'm married. I have kids. Like, I don't believe in ghosts. Like, none of this stuff seemed real to me until Dang. I took my wife to the house. This is the agent talking. So his next step was to take his wife to the house? Yeah. He's like, this is dumb. Did hey, he tell his wife ahead of time? I don't, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> like, hey, she, honey, we're just going to go check on this property. No big deal. I'm going to make sure things are fine. This fun. crazy dude was trying to get rid of 10 grand, apparently. It was probably like a rat in the yeah. kitchen or something. Bring, yeah. the, bring the spray. Yeah. Um, so they go into the house, and he's like, I mean, there's nothing going on. Like, yeah. no dice or cards floating yeah. in the air. There's no doors slamming shut. Yeah. Um, but he, he gets in there, and they're looking around his wife, like, within, like, a few minutes. It's like, hey, like, honey, my... I feel like kind of hot. Hmm. I guess it's like, do you feel hot? He's like, no, I feel fine. And like, you know, they keep going like 30 seconds later. It's like, I, I, I feel like my neck is burning. Hmm. It's like, okay. Like, do you want to leave? And he's like, oh my gosh. Like I've, I literally feel like my neck is on fire. And he's like, okay, well let me just look at it. And he like pulls back her hair and it, she's got like this imprint of a hand like digging into her neck. And he's like, okay, we're done. Oh my gosh. I know. Holy! Oh my gosh! So this whole thing is wild, right? And, and like every time I, we see Al at different times, when I have a client who needs his services, so I'll, I'll, yeah. I saw him and he's telling me the stories, and then I saw I'd run into Johnny and Johnny had just well, run into Al. It's crazy because Al doesn't really have like what's Al's motivation for telling that story? Because like he's trying to sell the home. 
Well, Al's the or, Al's our friend, but the the agent. Who, yeah, 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 the, yeah. The agent's like, I know. He's just telling the story just because, like, well, hell, you're gonna find out one way or another. I just don't Jeez. want you to die in this house. Gosh. <laughs> exactly. That so we is about. wild. So I think that house is still on the market. You think it's still on the market? So after research, uh, I think it was Johnny who dug it up because all of us are in, in, invested in the story now. A, a person did die in that house. So it was apparently someone – it was like an older couple, and then the son of the family moved back into the house. The parents passed. The son uh, was diagnosed with schizophrenia, and then we think he is the one who passed in the house, and now it's like – Dang. Whoa. Silverman. Yeah. It's definitely the creepiest story we've had on the show ever, right? Happy Kyle? to oblige. That was awful. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> that was special. awful. In, that was awful in such a good way. It was like the priest coming and saved the day. I kept waiting for like the happy ending. Yeah, there no, no happy there is no happy ending. ending. The 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 story. The moral of the story. The moral of the story yeah. here is. Send you the address. No, the moral of the story here is take that materialists, right? There's stuff out there. There's immaterial mm-hmm. things, right? And they're climbing in your windows. That is my favorite. Imagine people up. Yeah. For the Catholic Church versus like Protestant churches, like if you're in that situation, it doesn't matter what faith you are. Like there's like a door slam, you know you're going to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah. Which which yeah. Who are you gonna call? Also, yeah. You, you notice no. Pastor. The guy with the acoustic guitar. The yeah. guy with the crucifix <laughs> chain. You're a good good father. <laughs> The doors are slamming <laughs> to you are. Whoever knows the most Latin. That's yeah, who I'm talking yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Dang. <laughs> that was awful. That was great, though. Yeah. Can we do one more photo? Can we scroll down? Austin was so good at this. Can we Happy to oblige. Uh, attention to details. Ah, there's another body. No skin. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, this, this, is, this, great. Is, this great. is great. This is great. Okay. Can you get rid of the little... Why does it have text there? Okay, there you go. So we're looking at – Austin, if you could describe this for our listeners maybe. Yeah, so we're looking at a staircase uh, first of all. So you know how staircases have certain landings. So this one has a landing. So you're coming up to the first one and a half floors. And then you ever – I mean I don't know about you, but like you ever like watch those Saturday morning cartoons and you're like, oh my gosh, commercial. But you have to run upstairs to use your bathroom because your parents are like, don't you dare use my bathroom. But you can't make it all the way. So you want to stop at the one and a half floor landing to use the perfectly positioned toilet there with sink. It happens to me every morning. I'm like, I'm watching cartoons. I right. have to right, use right, the right, – right. I have to go boo-boo and make, and make brown. <laughs> and as I'm going up the stairs, I'm like, I wish this bathroom wasn't so far away. Right. I wish it wasn't so far away. It's also uh, it's so suitable for the elderly too. Um, what we could do with this house is really simply we could just install one of those granny lifts coming up the stairs. And you know, Grandma, I'm so sorry, Grandma, you're not going to make it because yeah. <laughs> that's a slow lift. So we're going to drop you off right here. So there's like a business. little pause. Well, maybe there's a little pause that just hovers her above it. Right. <laughs> so she comes up the stairs. She has one button to ascend, one button right. to descend, but then also a pause button. So as she's right. as she's floating over the toilet that's on the landing, mm-hmm. she can press pause, drop a how now brown cow, and then yeah. continue to ascend up to the sink here, mm-hmm. wash your hands. Of of all the excrement, and then just continue up the continue up the stairwell. Also, perfectly, it's like a wood floor there. So right. if she happens to pause, not directly over the toilet, right? You can have wood damage, <laughs> but it's easier to clean up, I think, than just like <laughs> than just dropping. That's drop, better than the carpet. Yeah, yeah you don't want to drop your mud pie on the carpet, 
Right. You know, he wanted to be at least on some wood or laminate. Right. And you can also tend to your plants while you tend to yourself. Yeah. So do you put a bathroom in the second story if you have this in the stairway? Well, I mean, for $15,000 more, you could, but <laughs> who has that kind of luxury? <laughs> well, I mean, when you have this kind of luxury, who needs right. that kind of luxury? You exactly. Know? This is great. So how are you pricing this house? Like where is this in the world? Just yeah. based on the window here, you could probably tell yeah, that it I think, is. I think it's very clearly a Portland house. Okay, uh, obviously. Okay. So um, I'm thinking we're looking at a uh, two-story townhome, two-story condo. Obviously, there's uh, some different kind of rerouting of plumbings. But, hey, I mean, this house works perfectly. I think it's probably around 330000 Yeah. Stairs work perfectly too. Yeah. yeah. That's a deal. Man, this has been great. Um, guys, you can go to just search the show with Edmund Mitchell on YouTube or podcast apps or Facebook. We have awesome announcements. What, Kyle? What? You're smiling about something. What? I'm not smiling. I'm scared about the ghost. I'm emotionally <laughs> affected. I hate ghost stuff. You guys want to go check out that house? No. No. I want to be so far away from that yeah, house. I be far away from that house. Awesome. It's great having you on. Is there anything else you want to plug? Where can people go to find? The the three and other things that you're doing. Yeah. So uh, if you ever need any real estate assistance here locally in the DFW or anywhere inside of Texas, just give me a call. Nailandkey.com, Nailandkey Real Estate Group. Um, if you would like to serve the homeless community in a more meaningful way, then stay tuned for what <laughs> Feast Day will be doing and hopefully the near future based on COVID restrictions and uh, volunteer involvement. And then if you need any assistance with tiny house living, just want to talk about tiny houses or want to come see one in person, give me a call or, uh, you can reach me out, reach out to me through nailingkey.com as well, or find me on Facebook or Instagram. Austin Weibel. Awesome. Thanks, man. This has been a good one. I think the outro clip is just going to have to be the X-Files uh, theme song. Even though any we more might... sponsors, uh, any more sponsors. Do we have, have any more sponsors? Did we talk about Patreon? We did talk about Patreon. Um, I want to give a shout. Oh, I want to give a shout out, man. At the end, we're at one of the other episodes. We're gonna have to do a Patreon shout out at the top. But I want to give a shout out to new patrons, Liv Harrison. We're gonna do some fun stuff, uh, some content type collaborations with Liv Harrison, and then we had a few other new patrons. Patrons. Uh, anyways, we'll do an episode and we'll clip out like just giving them all a shout out. We'll put their names in the descriptions. If you want your name in the description, <laughs> just c- c- uh, commit. Contribute on Patreon. Uh, that's it, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Austin, thanks for being here. This was really great. And thanks we're just going to go out with... Mm-hmm.